Welcome, everyone. It is Friday, December 2nd. We're here in Jefferson City, Missouri. I'm not at the Capitol. I'm at the MFDA office, but we're going to talk about some Capitol things here today in just a minute. want to welcome you all to our usually Friday weekly broadcast uh, for the Missouri Funeral Directors and Embalmers Association. A couple things I want to point, throw out there for you this week. First off, yesterday, we had the first full meeting of the State Board of Embalmers and Funeral Directors, the regulatory body, the first uh, full meeting that they've had since they were reconstituted after the special session. Uh, there were several things they went over, but one of the big topics that we talked about was the arts examination that we have been talking about here for quite some time. Uh, I made a presentation as to what our board feels about the issue of the arts examination. And there was an individual, a representative of the conference in Arkansas, the conference that's the International Conference of Funeral Service Examining Boards. They are the ones who create and administer the test on behalf of the state of Missouri. Uh, they had a, a representative up here and she gave a presentation as well. Um, as far as what I said on behalf of the board was that our board uh, had two things they wanted to tell the state board. First off, our board and the membership feedback that we've gotten that has been overwhelming in this regard, including I might add last night at the District 6 and 7 St. Louis area meeting, the Christmas district meeting that they had, I was not able to attend because we had the state board meeting, but uh, our president, Greg Bird and our past president, John Moore, were both there. And they both gave me the feedback that the support there for the MFDA position on the arts exam, again, was, again, overwhelming that we do not feel that the arts exam as it exists right now is relevant, that it is an adequate test of the skills and knowledge that a person needs to become a funeral director in the state of Missouri. And that given that it is not a sufficiently relevant test of the skills and knowledge that a person needs, it is not appropriate to have that as a barrier to the entry of the profession. Now, you can make a very good argument that some sort of test might be a good idea, but that test, of course, needs to be relevant. It needs to be something that tests things that need to be tested. Uh, things that you want to make sure that people know. And our board does not feel that that is a relevant test. And for that reason, there needs to be some sort of alternative. And that alternative is going to be submitted over to the Capitol. There is going to be legislation in our legislative package. It is not in final form yet. It is actually physically over there at the Capitol where the legislative research people all put it together. And it's kind of a cut and paste job from what we did last year. So I don't have the final form to put on our website yet, but it will be out there. And as I mentioned earlier, what it's going to do, it's going to create a plan B. If anybody wants to do things the way we do them right now, they can continue to do so. We won't change that. We won't pull the rug out from anybody under this proposed legislation, but there will be a plan B where instead of taking the arts exam, you can do an enhanced and extended, a more exhaustive apprenticeship where you're learning what you need to do actually at the funeral home where you're doing your apprenticeship. Now, as soon as we have that available, we will pull that, put that out to everyone so that you can see what it is. The other thing we wanted to make clear to the regulatory body, the state board, is that our board is not looking to pick a fight with anyone. Uh, in Missouri government. If the, the original plan was to have this meeting that we had yesterday, to have it at the end of October, 
where we could make these presentations. And then we would have the entire month of November to get together to work perhaps on a joint legislative proposal that we could all go over there and support. Well, through no fault of anybody, it's just the way things worked out, uh, the governor had to pull the appointments because of the special session. The special session went longer than everybody had hoped it would. And then the governor reappointed the board and they've just been able to have their first meeting. Well, you, we couldn't wait that long because the way the Capitol works is hundreds and hundreds of bills are submitted every year. And only a few of them ever even get to the final stage where you can get to vote on them. And if you want to have any chance of having a bill heard over at the Capitol, you need to get it pre-filed. You need to get it in early. You need to get it in as soon as pre-filing opens here in December. And so we had to get the ball rolling. So we did submit the proposal that we've talked about here on, on the webcast and, and put out in the magazines and things like that over the past year. But we also made it clear that we're not saying that this is the be all and end all, that it has to be our way or the highway. Quite the contrary. If the state board, if the division, if the governor's office says, well, we don't like how you've structured this. We think it should be a little bit different. We don't like that this how long the apprenticeship's going to be, it should be this long. We want to talk about it. We want to work with everybody. It's very easy to amend these bills in the committee process. It's, if you already have the bill number, if it's already on the calendar, if it's already in the lineup for people to talk about, once it gets into that process and it gets into the committee hearing process, you can make changes. You can do committee substitutes. That's a very easy thing to do. So we wanted to make the state board know we're moving forward because we think this is important, but we're not trying to be dogmatic about it and say it has to be this way and we're not willing to talk about it because we are. We do want to work with the state board. We do want to work with the governor's office, with the Division of Professional Registration. We want to have something that everybody can support, and we're hoping that that will be the case when we get over there. Again, so item number one. We think needs to, something needs to be done with the arts examination, the way it is currently constituted. And number two, we want to work with everybody as part of that process, but we did have to get the ball rolling. The other legislative uh, packages that we're going to be submitting, as I mentioned before, is dealing with the, uh, the next of kin laws. Uh, I've had a couple of them this week where you had a husband and wife. They filed divorce proceedings, but the divorce wasn't final and one of them died. And sure enough, the soon-to-be ex-spouse was causing issues. And uh, the bill that we want to get hopefully passed this year is we'll take out a spouse if there is a divorce proceeding filed. The other very interesting one that uh, we are going to hopefully be submitting here soon is, is, a new, is a statute that deals with coroners and medical examiners when they're not able to determine the cause of death right away, this will make it so that the coroner or medical examiner, if they cannot determine the cause of death within a certain period of time, will file the death certificate with a cause of death saying pending investigation. Okay, that's legal for them to do right now, but the statutes aren't very clear on that. And it's understandable how coroners and medical examiners are reluctant to do that without clear statutory authority to do that. So this is going to give them the clear statutory uh, guideline rubric to say, if you can't determine the cause of death, you do a pending investigation. And that's going to help a whole lot of people out. We also want to clean up a lot of this language uh, statutes 
from the 1800s. Uh, if you've attended my class or attended any of my uh, uh, presentations over the years on this, you always know I talk about one of my favorite laws in the state of Missouri, and I put favorite in quotation marks, because actually it's perhaps the stupidest law in the state of Missouri, is that in Missouri law right now, and this has been on the books since the 1800s, if you're shipping a body on a common carrier that died of certain contagious diseases, you as a funeral director are required to wrap that body in a sheet that is saturated with bichloride of mercury. Don't do that. <laughs> okay, don't. Do not saturate the body with bichloride of mercury. Please don't do that. But it's still in the statutes. And so, and there's a whole bunch of other ones there uh, that are literally from the Civil War era and designed when we were bringing bodies back on railroads. So we want to uh, we want to get rid of, of those kind of things as well. So again, as soon as all that legislation uh, is out there in the final format that everybody can look at it and review it, we'll be putting it out there. Please comment on that. If you like what we did, let us know. If there's something in there you don't like, let us know as well. Because again, these things aren't written in stone the day they're filed. They can be amended. There can be committee substitutes. If you have a better idea for something, let us know. But the ball has to get rolling over there or you have no chance of getting anything done by the end of the legislative session. So that is what was our big presentation to the state board. Again, a person from the conference came up, made her presentation, uh, talked about uh, the, the process of, of creating the test and things like that. Um, my board uh, and my uh, funeral directors that have dealt with this uh, and myself, we've all heard that presentation before. It uh, frankly doesn't change the viewpoint of the funeral directors that I work for, the funeral directors that are have commented on this, uh, that the feeling out there and the feeling very, very strong that the arts exam is not relevant enough to be a barrier to those wanting to enter the profession. So that's where we're at with that. The other thing I want to bring up with the uh, state board meeting is that, uh, well, there was a scheduled discipline hearing, hearing yesterday. Again, uh, you, as you may know the process, if the state board determines that you might have violated one of the statute or regulations, they must take that to the Administrative Hearing Commission. And the Administrative Hearing Commission then determines whether or not the statute of regulation was violated, whether or not there is, there is cause to believe that the violation did occur. And if the Administrative Hearing Commission does determine that the evidence shows that a violation of a statute of regulation occurred, then it goes back to the state board and the state board will then issue whatever discipline they deem fit. And there will be a hearing on that. And yesterday, the person who was up for discipline did not appear at the hearing. Now, I don't know about the merits of the case. That's not important. I'm not even going to tell you who the person was. That's not important. What is important, the message I want to get out to everyone here is to never not show up. Whether it's in front of the Administrative Hearing Commission, whether it's in front of a State Board of Bombers and Funeral Directors, whether it's a traffic ticket you have at municipal court, okay, whether it's uh, a hearing at a zoning meeting that affects you, not showing up is about the worst thing you can do. 
It just is. Because regardless of how you feel about the situation, whether you think you did something wrong or not, regardless of whether there were extenuating circumstances, regardless of whether or not you think the law was wrong, whether you disagree with the findings, it doesn't matter. Not showing up, regardless of the truth of the matter, not showing up gives the impression that you don't care, that you aren't worried about your license, that that's not important to you, your license or the traffic ticket or whatever it is, the, the fire marshal who comes in and says you need to do something and you don't do it. If you don't show up at the hearing, you put yourself at a huge disadvantage, regardless of what it was that was going on. So please never get in a situation where you don't show up. Now, one thing about the state board, regardless of whether you like the state board, like their decisions, don't like the state board, don't like the decisions. One thing I can tell you in the years and years I've been doing this, I've been there where there've been many disciplinary hearings scheduled where that morning they got a call and said the person couldn't show up. They had a problem. They had a family that came in. They have their employees didn't show up to work. The attorney couldn't make it. Oh, and by the way, it's never a bad idea to consult an attorney in these situations and have an attorney there helping you and representing you in all of these disciplinary hearings. That's always that's always advantageous to, to check that out. But whether you have an attorney or not, people have called up and said, I just can't simply make it that day. And the state board, every time that I've seen it, has been very accommodating with people re with rescheduling these people. OK, you know, I've, I've sat there in the room where they said, well, we have a disciplinary hearing scheduled at uh, 1.30. We got a phone call this morning. The person couldn't make it. They rescheduled it to the next meeting. Now, I can't guarantee they'll do that forever and ever and ever. It's up to them. But I've never seen it where they weren't going out of their way, in my opinion, to be accommodating to people. They're all funeral directors. They know the kind of uh, situations that funeral directors find themselves into where they can't get away all of a sudden at the last minute. And I think they've always been very accommodating uh, to people who need to reschedule things. But if you don't show up, even if all you're going to do is say, I disagree with the findings, or even if all you're going to do is say, I'm sorry, I'll never do it again. It doesn't matter what your response is in that instance. If you don't show up, that's about as bad as it can be. 99 times out of 100. So please don't put yourself in that situation. Please always show up. And if you can't make it, call. Let them know you can't show up and tell them why. And uh, again, I can't guarantee you because that's not my decision. It's their decision. But I've never seen a situation in my experience where they haven't been very accommodating to people who need to postpone something to the next meeting. So that's just a word of advice out there for everyone. And it applies to all aspects of life. If you're dealing with any kind of government agency, regulatory body, court, hearing, show up. Have an attorney if you need an attorney, but don't just don't show up and not tell anybody you're not showing up. Okay. Even if you can't show up, let them know you're not showing up. All right. That's uh that's the state board meeting yesterday. Uh, follow up from some more stuff from last week dealing with cremations. It never fails that when I do uh, something on a topic, I'll get a whole bunch of calls that week asking for more details or a specific situation, or does this apply to what you said last week? And that's great. Love that. Please always do that. That helps uh, me get information out. It helps me learn what your situations are and all that good things. So 
here's the calls we got this last week because it had to do with who gets the cremated remains. And I got two different kinds of calls. The first one was people were saying, well, yeah, so, you know, this person signed the cremation contract, but somebody else paid the bill. You know, the son signed the cremation contract, but the uncle came in and paid the bill. Had several of the calls over the last week. Well, it doesn't matter who pays the bill. It matters who signed the cremation contract. Just to review real quick. What is the funeral establishment required to do when they are in the possession of cremated remains? The first thing is you look at the cremation contract. Does your cremation contract say what you're supposed to do with the cremated remains? I hope it does. But if it doesn't, then you give the cremated remains or you dispose of them at the direction of the person who contracted for the cremation. Doesn't matter who actually pays the bill. It's the person who obligated themselves to pay the bill, the person who signed on the dotted line. That is who's in charge of the cremated remains. And the fact that an uncle or a nephew or a good friend came in and wrote a check to pay for it, well, that's wonderful of them. But that does not, the mere fact that they wrote the check to pay the bill does not give them then any kind of rights to claim those cremated remains. Now, fortunately, I don't believe this happened to any of the people that called me up, so that's great. But if you told that uncle, sure, if you pay the bill, I'll give you the cremated remains, well, then yeah, we might have an issue there, okay? Might have a problem at that point uh, because you told something that may not be correct. And who knows, you might be winding up having to give a refund to that uncle who thought they were going to get the cremated remains when they paid the bill. So again, the person who controls the cremated remains is the person who contracted for the cremation. That may be the person who pays the bill. That may not be the person who pays the bill. That doesn't matter. It's the person who contracted for the cremation. All right. The other question we got was just the opposite. Okay. Those are all situations where you had more than one person wanted the cremated remains. What do you do when nobody picks up the cremated remains, when nobody wants them? Well, there's two different ways to go if you have unclaimed cremated remains. And I know many, many funeral homes out there do have unclaimed cremated remains that have been sitting around for quite a long time. Well, the first thing, is there, absolutely, is there any chance that the deceased, the person who was cremated, is there any chance that that person was a veteran? Because if that person, if, there, if there's a chance that there was a veteran, you can have a qualified veterans organization come in and do the research. And they are authorized by federal law to get into all the databases of the Veterans Administration to determine whether or not that person was a veteran. You are authorized by Missouri state law to give that veterans organization the information they need to do that search, the name, social security number, address, and all that kind of thing, so that they can determine if that person was a veteran. And if they determine the person was a veteran whose remains have been unclaimed, that veterans organization can then arrange for purchasing an urn and having that uh, the cremated remains interred uh, at a, or placed at a veterans cemetery. And of course, that's a much better uh, outcome. Uh, you have somebody who served this country uh, somebody that deserves the honor of having their final remains placed in a veteran cemetery and the veterans organizations can help you get to that process. So that's one avenue if you have unclaimed remains. See whether or not they might have been a veteran. And if so, that might solve your problem. But what about those people who are not 
veterans and they still have unclaimed cremated remains. Well, the statute does tell you what to do in that case. If you have remains that have been unclaimed, well, first look to your cremation contract. Does your cremation contract say what to do if the, if the cremated remains are not picked up? I hope your cremation contract has that in there. If it doesn't, you can, should consider having that put in your cremation contract. Of course, once again, here's the plug. If you use the cremation contract that we have for our funeral homes that are members of the association in the members only area, the document download, it does have that in there as an option to put in there as to what happens to unclaimed cremated remains. But if your cremation contract does not say what to do with the cremated remains, well, then here's what the statute says you do. You must send written notice to the last known address of the person who contracted for the cremation. And you should have that on file because other state statutes require you to keep that information permanently. Part of your permanent record is who contracted for the cremation. And so you're going to have the last known address of that person. You send them written notice. You give that person 90 days to pick up the cremated remains. 90 days to pick up the cremated remains make arrangements for doing that. If they do not claim those cremated remains within that 90-day period, then you can do one of two things. If you're going down this path, you can do one of two things. You as the funeral director can then take those cremated remains and inter, bury, or scatter them at any place that's been formally dedicated for that purpose. Memorial garden, a cemetery, whatever. Or you can give them to somebody else on the statutory next of kin list. And this is what very often happens. You have unclaimed cremated remains that have been sitting there for quite some time and a grandchild comes in, something like that, and wants to know, do you still have grandpa's cremated remains? And you say, yes, you do. You know, they've never been picked up and the, the grandchild wants them. Well, you can't just give them right away. You need to send notice to the person who contracted for the cremation, give them 90 days to pick them up, if they don't pick them up, then you are authorized to give them to somebody else on the statutory next of kin list. So that's another way to handle that. So those are the two pathways to take if you have unclaimed cremated remains. Well, that's all, that's the substantive stuff we have for today. Um, need to get up, getting out of here, heading back over to Vital Records today to do some more work on cremation, uh, not cremation, <laughs> on death certificate amendments. Uh, we're amending a, a, helping a number of our funeral homes get amendments to death certificates today. Uh, once again, uh, I urge everybody to double, twip, triple, and quadruple check your death certificates before you send them in. Vital Records is doing a much better job at processing those quickly. You know, we were very, very, very many months behind on how long it was taking them to get those amendments done. They have definitely shortened that time period, but it still takes a while. So you want to make sure those death certificates that whenever possible are correct the first time and that you don't have to amend them. If you do have to amend them, give us a call up here. We'll tell you what process you can go through either by doing it yourself, if you don't know that, or how we can help you with that as well. So anyway, that's what we have for today. Triple check those death certificates. Look out for the legislation package that we'll be posting as soon as it's available. Contact us, the stuff you like, the stuff you don't like, any ideas that you have that might make what we did better uh, because we can still do things with it, but we do had to get that bill numbers on there. We had to get them in the hopper. 
So until next time, stay warm. It's cold outside here today, but more importantly, stay safe.